You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. I'm John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter. At John Stolnes, this is episode 29 of the podcast that takes a deep dive into what's going on around the NFC East and, of course, your Philadelphia Eagles as well. And uh, we're going to get to some NFC East stuff here in just a few minutes. A busy week for the Washington football team, for the New York Giants, and for the Dallas Cowboys as well. And ESPN's first NFL power rankings are out. I'll tell you where the where the NFC East stacks up, specifically the Cowboys and the Eagles. And uh, you have to look way down the list to find the other two teams in the division. So uh, we'll get to that coming up here in just a few minutes. But uh, before we do that, there was a piece that I wrote for Bleeding Green Nation a couple of weeks ago, right as training camp was getting started back in late July. 10 training camp questions the Eagles must answer. And as we are coming closer to the end of training camp, and with so much news going on out of training camp here over the last couple of days, some of these questions, I think, have been answered. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here with the 2020 season as we are getting some of these answers. And the first couple of questions that I, I, I had was about the Eagles left tackle situation with Andre Dillard and with Jason Peters adjusting to right guard. Well, obviously, with, with uh, Andre Dillard out for the season now and all of the talk about Jason Peters moving over to left tackle, those have become extremely important questions. We no longer have to try and answer whether or not Andre Dillard can be a starting left tackle because we're not going to know the answer to that question this year. The former number 22 overall pick, a guy the Eagles traded up to go get, was struggling for much of training camp and uh, has been lost for the season with a torn bicep, as you, of course, know by now if you've been listening to the BGN radio updates with Jimmy Kemsky and Brandon Lee Gowton. But the, the development that's come down the pike here on Saturday as I'm recording this is that the, the assumption was that with Andre Dillard out, Jason Peters would move over from right guard to left tackle. Well, Jason Peters wants some more cash in order to make that move. When he signed his $3 million deal with the Eagles, it was under it was with the understanding that he would play right guard for the team this year. $3 million for a veteran right guard is about right. The issue now is that they will probably, if, if they want him to move to left tackle, he wants to be paid as a left tackle. He wants to make about $6 million a year. He basically wants a 100% increase in his salary in order to make the switch. I know for a lot of people that's distasteful because you want a player to honor the agreement, honor the contract that he signed. But the idea is that Jason Peters signed his contract with the understanding that he would play right guard. If, if the Eagles make the move, the going rate for a veteran left tackle, one who signed as late in the offseason as Jason Peters did, is probably about $6 million. So while Jason Peters did sign this contract... If they want to protect Carson Wentz's blindside, if they want to have more stability on this offensive line and you want Jason Peters at left tackle, then you probably need to pay him the $6 million that he's looking for. 
this is not some malcontent player, okay? This is a guy who has been a part of this organization for over a decade. This is a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame, and it's, it's going to have an Eagles insignia on his helmet when he goes in there. You need, you need to pay Jason Peters whatever it is he needs in order to protect Carson Wentz's blindside. And I, and I know that Jason Peters is going to miss time this year. The Eagles still need to go out, and they need to go find another left tackle someplace. But it's the difference between finding a starting caliber left tackle or a swing left tackle, a guy who can play multiple different spots along the offensive line. And I, I know the Eagles were, were, they were right not to go out and, and sign Halapulavati Vaitai to a, the, the type of free agent deal that, that he went out and got this offseason. Nevertheless, they are really missing him right now. They're really missing having a guy who can move from tackle to guard, from left to right, all, all along the offensive line. They don't have one of those type of guys right now. So if you don't go get, if you don't give Jason Peters the money that he's looking for to play left tackle, who are you looking at? Who are your backup options? Are you really entrusting the left tackle spot to Jordan Mailata? Is that something we are really prepared to do? A guy who has not played a single defense offensive snap in the NFL? Are you really willing to hand over the job to a a rookie in Prince Tego Wanago who yes, I know he a lot of people had first or second round grades on him going into 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 the college season last year, but was not selected nearly that high. Here's a guy who was selected in the sixth round of the NFL draft. He's a, he's a rookie. Are you giving that job? To him, are you giving that all-important job to Prince to to, to Prince Tego Wanago? You're not. I don't. It's, I mean, there's just not a lot of good options there. You need Jason Peters to take over that job, and asking for six million dollars to be a starting left tackle in the NFL is not is not out of line. It's not out of line. I I know the Eagles cap situation. I, I the Eagles cap situation is an issue. They they are going to be hurting next year with the cap. But you're not signing Jason Peters for next year. I know they want to roll as much cap cap space as they have this year into next year, and that's why this matters. But you still have to protect the players who are going to play here in 2020. Matt Pryor, I know, has been practicing at left tackle. He practiced at left tackle on Saturday. Maybe he can play that spot. If the if the Eagles feel that Matt Pryor can play left tackle and they want to keep if they want to keep Jason Peters at right guard, they can do that. But let's not kid ourselves. That's all for that's all about money. That's a financial decision the Eagles are making. If you if you want to put the best player possible at left tackle and and the and and then have Matt Pryor play right guard a position that he has played before and can play reasonably well, that is the scenario that works best for this football team. The decision not to do that, the decision to try other things and not give Jason Peters that money is about 3 million dollars. And that that's what this is all about. That that's the bottom line here. Does it set a precedent also for for players who you ask to change positions? Yes, it does. And and maybe that might be a, a club, clubhouse a locker room type situation that the Eagles don't want to a scenario they don't want to look at. They don't want it's a road they don't want to go down because you are asking players from time to time to change positions, to play multiple positions, to do different things, and you don't want to have to renegotiate a contract every time something happens and you need a player to play the outside receiver spot as opposed to a slot receiver position or a defensive uh, or, or to be second on the depth chart at defensive end as opposed to the third guy. You can get into a situation where if you ask a guy to suddenly become a starter, does he then ask for starter money? Jason Peters is a unique example. And so that's what I think the Eagles need to recognize. And that's what I think other players would need to recognize is that Jason Peters is a, is a special example. I don't necessarily see it as precedent setting, but 
if you want to put the best off- offensive line out there to protect your franchise quarterback, by the way, remember, this is a quarterback who has been hurt a lot, who you need to feel protected in the backfield, who, who needs to have time to find his new speed receivers down the field. Having Jason Peters there, who, again, is going to miss time this year, you can move Matt Pryor over to left tackle if they miss time, and maybe you can make some other things work along the interior uh, on the depth chart that way and and figure out right tackle. Get a backup swing right guard, right tackle type thing. You can more easily do that now than find a starting left tackle. Pay Jason Peters what he wants, and that will help answer that particular question about the offensive line because coming into training camp, Andre Dillard and Jason Peters were big question marks. And so they, they, they need to have that figured out and it can't be over $3 million. Howie Roseman makes the cap work. He'll figure out a way to make the cap work in 2021. They can't let $3 million affect Carson Wentz's health and safety, basically once the season gets underway. And I think eventually either Jason Peters will, will, pull back and and do the job that's asked of him for $3 million or the Eagles will have to pay him. If it comes down to Jason Peters playing left tackle for an extra $3 million, Howie Roseman has to bite the bullet. One of the other questions I had was how the wide receiver depth chart would shake out. And that's been one of the most notable things in camp is how good the wide receivers have looked. And I think Aaron Moorhead deserves some credit here. They've they've obviously brought in more talent. Jalen Rager has been making plays all throughout the spring and summer here. But John Hightower has also been reportedly making a lot of plays out there. Quez Watkins has looked good. Uh, Deontay Burnett, who the Eagles, Deontay Burnett, who the Eagles uh, signed late last season and made a big catch in the Week 17 game against the Giants, has also reportedly been looking good, according to Jimmy Kemsky and BLG, who have been out at practices. Now, all of a sudden, you you have a wide receiver depth chart. My question was, where would Greg Ward fit in? Fit in Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, what do they do with? Um, Marquise Goodwin, who they picked up on on draft day. Well, obviously, Goodwin opted out of the season, so so that's not an issue anymore. Alshon Jeffrey is going to be on the pup list for at least the first few weeks of the season. You don't have to worry about that just right now. So you've got you've got Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson, who for now is still healthy, making plays in spring. You've got John Hightower making all kinds of great plays, catching everything thrown his way. Greg Ward has looked good in camp by all indications, and you've got Deontay Burnett making a ton of plays out there. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has looked good in, 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 tra- in training camp. So I think there's still a depth chart crunch coming here for the wide receivers do you have greg ward as your three is jj arthaga Whiteside the three or is he the number four is he one of the backup outside guys does greg ward become the starting slot wide receiver has john hightower showed enough to leap in front of greg ward i can't imagine that but by all indications he's looked fantastic out there so still some unanswered questions there i think it's a good problem to have i also think the eagles are going to be in a lot of 12 personnel and that was one of my other unanswered questions how often would the Eagles be in 12 personnel? There was a really good piece on NFL.com uh, that came out. I believe it was on Friday. Bucky Brooks, NFL.com analyst, was looking at the Eagles offense and was noting how dangerous this team could be in 12 personnel. And because the Eagles suffered so many injuries last year at the wide receiver position, 12 personnel was not the advantage for them that it ordinarily would have been. But when you have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard on the field at the same time as Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager and Miles Sanders at running back, you have a potential nightmare for a pro- for, for opposing defenses. I mean, it, it's that is a that is a 12 personnel nightmare for opposing defenses. Now, Deshaun Jackson has to stay healthy. We've got to make sure Jalen Rager can actually play the position 
once the you know once the gun sounds for the regular season. But what we're seeing here is the dynamic offense we could see from the Eagles here uh, in 2020. He says. The interchangeability of the Eagles' 12 personnel package will create migraines for defensive coaches around the league. And with Peterson expressing optimism about Pro Bowl wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey returning to the lineup in the near future, the team's shape-shifting package in two tight end sets could soon get another boost. So we will. one of my questions leading into training camp was, how much would the Eagles be in 12 personnel with all of these wide receivers now on the roster? That's an open question, too. But I think we are seeing the the matchup problems that the Eagles could present to opposing defenses. If these wide receivers can play guys, this offense could be unbelievable this year. But if Deshaun Jackson gets hurt, if Jalen Rager and John Hightower and Deontay Burnett don't do the types of things in the regular season that they're doing in training camp, which is certainly a possibility. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside looked really good in training camp last year, and then it just disappeared once the regular season started. That could also now give you an Eagles team that looks a lot like the Eagles teams we saw in 2018 and 2019, a plodding five-yard-at-a-time offense. That's really tough to watch, and it's really tough to see against good defenses that can shut teams down that, that I think leads in part to Carson Wentz being erratic and ineffective. So, so those are some question marks that, that still remain uh, even after a few weeks of training camp. One of the other questions we asked was, can the Eagles live without Malcolm Jenkins? I think at the moment we're looking, it's looking like they can. I think uh, the, the reports out of training camp are that Jalen Mills is taking well to being the new safety, the, the new strong safety. And I think Rodney McLeod is is looking like a pretty good bet to be free sa- to, to be pretty comfortable once again this year at the free safety position. Those two guys seem to be playing well. Uh, Will Parks and Kayvon Wallace are, are both uh, looks like some good depth there at the safety position. And it looks as though this locker room has been left in some pretty good hands with all of the social issues going on and and NFL players and NBA players and Major League Baseball players doing their part to further social justice in America. Obviously, Malcolm Jenkins is a really really big voice with all of that but I think you're seeing some of the other guys stepping up Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz among them but uh, a lot of other players in that locker room are stepping up to fill the void and I think Jalen Mills is one of them I think he's taking that on his shoulders and has been has been trying to to fill the void left by Malcolm Jenkins in that respect so uh, I think one of the answered questions I feel a little bit better about right now is that yes I think Jalen Mills will be able to do the job uh, for Malcolm Jenkins uh, at, at strong safety. Who are the linebackers? That was a big question I had coming into training camp, and we still don't know who the linebackers are uh, outside of Nate Gary, obviously. But TJ Edwards, uh, Duke Riley, haven't heard a lot from the linebackers here so far in training camp. Most of the focus has been uh, on the cornerbacks. Jatavis Brown obviously retired before the season started. Uh, Alex Singleton's a big question mark still. I think the linebacker situation is still just as up in the air as it was when training camp started. But again, it's not as important if the cornerbacks play well. And what we're seeing also is that the cornerbacks have played really well in training camp. A lot of these guys have have stepped forward and have done, you know, it's it's an off and on battle with the wide receivers, but I think if you were to ask people following the team in training camp day in day out, what have been the two most impressive units so far? It's been wide receiver and it's been cornerback. Two areas of extreme struggle for this team. Avante Maddox appears to have cemented himself as the number 2 cornerback. Um, Nikel Roby Coleman has cemented himself as the as the Eagles slot cornerback. 
So in that in that regard, I think the secondary, the the, the cornerbacks and the safeties can make up for a little bit of the uh, of the shorthandedness you see from the Eagles at linebacker. Although I still would have liked to have seen them go out and, and add somebody significant um, for the for the linebacking core here. So in, in 2020, one of my other unanswered questions: Do the Eagles need another running back? Everything we're hearing is that Corey Clement looks like a guy that looks like the guy we saw at the end of 2017. Which is huge to not have to go out and get Devontae Freeman or spend money on Carlos Hyde or anything like that. If Corey Coleman, you just need him to be the number three because I think the Eagles feel really good with Miles Sanders. They feel really good with Boston Scott as the number two running back. Corey Coleman can be the number three running back. Remember, I think most people had him penciled in as the number two going into 2018. So you've got a guy here who has shown he can play well if he's healthy. He's had a really good training camp. I think you're. I think the Eagles are fine with Corey Coleman as the number three running back on this team heading into the season, and then you can make adjustments as need be after that. And then one of my final questions was, who is the backup quarterback? With Carson Wentz, with the issues he's had, you need a good backup quarterback, but you can't expect your backup quarterback to be the guy who's going to take you on a Super Bowl run. What Nick Foles did will probably not be repeated for another two generations. That's why no one had done it since Jeff Hostetler in 91. You just don't see backup quarterbacks going on that kind of a run. And Tom Brady, of course. And Tom Brady turned out to be the greatest quarterback of all time. So you just don't expect that from your backup quarterback. Those are outliers. What you need is for your backup quarterback to get you through a rough three to five weeks. If your quarterback goes down for three to six weeks, you need a guy who can win you two to three of those ball games, who can play 500 ball for you. Can Nate Sudfeld be that guy? That's the question, because it's going to be Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld is going to go into the season as the backup quarterback. Hearing lots of really good things about Jalen Hurts, though. He's going to be the number three quarterback. I'm starting to think he might get a little bit more play here in 2020. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Nate Sudfeld is going to be the backup. He's looked pretty good. Jalen Hurts has also looked pretty good. I still hate the draft pick. I still think it was a terrible waste of, of a second-round pick, but... If he can be a decent backup quarterback, that helps the team in, in 2020 and, and moving forward. But again, I'm not spending a second round pick on Jalen Hurts. Still encouraging to see that he's playing well in training camp. Nate Sudfeld is going to be your backup quarterback, and the jury is out on him. Can he be a guy over a six-week stretch that can win you three games? Can he win you four games? You just you want him to be able to do what A.J. Feely did for the Eagles in 2004. That's that's pardon me in 2001. That's what you're looking for from a backup quarterback. Can can he can he rise above and and win a few games for you? Nate Sudfeld remains to be seen, but that's who the backup quarterback is going to be. They're not going out to get anybody else. If Carson Wentz goes down, it's going to be the Nate Sudfeld show. That's one of the other questions we had answered here in training camp. When we come back, we're going to take a look around the NFC East. What's going on with the Washington football team on and off the field? New York Giants, Dallas Cowboys, some rumors and whispers from all three of those camps. We'll get a quick check right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. 
so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So let's stop in the nation's capital first and let's take a look at what's going on with the Washington football team this week. And again, this is a football team that is making news more off the field than on the field. Let's let's talk about what what was reported in the Washington Post this week about more allegations of sexual misconduct by people in the front office of the Washington football team. Uh, you heard, uh, well, let's let's start from the beginning here. Uh, in a letter that was sent to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, lawyers representing more than a dozen former employees of the Washington football team requested that the league launch an independent investigation into allegations of sexual harassment during those women's time with the organization and an investigation into owner Daniel Snyder, asking that he be suspended pending the outcome of that investigation. No word from the league on that just yet. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported additional allegations of sexual harassment within the organization and that a former team executive, Larry Michael, the former play-by-play, radio play-by-play guy, instructed employees to create a behind-the-scenes video for Snyder featuring clips of the cheerleaders partially nude that was pulled from a 2008 swimsuit calendar video shoot. The Post said that 25 former employees came forward for its latest report. That's an additional 25 former employees, adding to the 15 original former employees that were part of a story in the newspaper back in July that detailed other allegations against former Washington executives. Washington football te- the Washington football team canceled all football activity for their players and staff as part of peaceful protests of the shooting of Jacob Blake and some social racial injustice and, and the social racial injustice going on in America. Uh, on, I believe that was done on Thursday. But also on Thursday, Snyder denied the charges in the Post story, saying in a statement that the report was a hit job while noting that the behavior described has no place in our franchise or in our society. He said he was unaware of the allegations and took responsibility for the culture in the building. And Washington has gone about trying to bring new people in to change the culture in recent weeks. 
They hired Julie Donaldson as Senior Vice President of Media and Communications. She'll also be the first woman to be a part of an NFL team's radio broadcast. The team's also hired Jason Wright last week, a former player, making him the first black team president in the NFL. Another tumultuous week with the Washington football team. And I don't think it's going to end until Daniel Snyder has been removed as this team's owner. Everybody who is a fan of the Washington Washington football team wants Dan Snyder out. The other, the other owners, the minority owners want Daniel Snyder out. The sponsors want Daniel Snyder out. You've got to believe the other owners want Daniel Snyder out. You've got to believe Roger Goodell wants Daniel Snyder out. The only way the Washington football team truly gets a fresh start is when Daniel Snyder is no longer the owner of this football team. That's the only way it happens. There's nobody that wants this guy to be in charge. It's hard to understand how he's still there. How can a guy who has led this franchise to the depths of of where it is right now, both on the field and off, still allowed to be the owner of a team? It's just inconceivable that he has any support by any of the other owners in the league. His own, his own minority owners are pushing for him to get out. The, the NFL absolutely should launch their own investigation. You can't trust Daniel Snyder to launch his own investigation into these allegations created, uh, made by the Washington Post and these former employees. You're now talking about 40 former employees that have come forward talking about this stuff. This is not a small sample size, gang. Daniel Snyder just needs to be out. He needs to go. That's the only way the Washington... And and the Washington football team has a long and storied history. It was one of the marquee franchises in the 80s and 90s. To, To see where it has gone... Frankly, being an Eagles fan is more fun when the Washington football team is better. When it's more competitive. When these games between the two teams mean something. When both of these teams are fighting for playoff spots. Some of the greatest games in Eagles history have come against the Washington football team when you've got two great teams going at it. It's just not going to get back there until Daniel Snyder is gone. On the field, the story of Alex Smith continues to be inspiring and amazing and, and for, for my part, scary. I'm scared to death of Alex Smith getting back on the field after what happened to his leg, after all of the surgeries, the infections, the life-threatening infections to, to Alex Smith's leg after, after all the surgeries or as he was in the midst of going through all of the procedures, the grueling rehab that he had to go through just to be able to walk again, the fact that he's now on the field and is going to participate in 11-on-11 padded drills in, re- in Washington training camp, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's what it's an amazing story, one of the most incredible athletic achievements we've seen maybe in football history is Alex Smith getting back on the field and it scares me to death. I just don't think there's any way doctors should have let him back on the field, but he's healthy enough. I know I know Carson Wentz when he came back after his knee injuries, he was tentative coming back in 2018. Understandably so. That he was gonna, that his knee was gonna get blown up again every time he went to plant, every time he went to throw, afraid to put pressure on his left knee, every time he stepped forward to throw. I can only imagine how terrifying it has to be for Alex Smith to get back out there and worry about a uh, worry about an offensive lineman rolling back on him, his knee getting caught underneath an offensive, you know, under underneath the pile, or or a defensive lineman coming low on coming in low on him. 
it just it it scares me as a non as someone who is not related to Alex Smith and and not a Washington football team fan that he's back out there. But it is an absolutely incredible story for him to be back out there. I wish Alex Smith nothing but the best. I really hope that he's able to play and be safe and just even get one season under his belt as as Washington's backup quarterback. And does he start? I think the team still believes Dwayne Haskins is the starting quarterback, but they could not have foreseen that Alex Smith would be able to come back and play. It's really an interesting decision as to whether or not he's going to play this year. Even if Dwayne Haskins is the starting quarterback, they got to get him out there for a little bit of playtime. Just just to just to close the circle, you know, just to close the loop on Alex Smith's comeback. It's it's a phenomenal story that uh, is really should be the talk of football here uh, at, at the start of 2020. And uh, one other note about Washington, Ron Rivera held a news conference on Friday, said they have a secret plan in place for running back Antonio Gibson. This is the guy I, I mentioned could benefit the most from the release of Darius Geis a couple of weeks ago and the, the lack of wide receiver talent outside of Terry McLaurin and the fact the team really has no good running backs. He's going to, he should get a lot of playing time in a lot of different positions. He had a lack of experience in college. I thought he was a reach in the third round, but they really did need something without having a second round pick. And with very, very few offensive skill position players outside of McLaurin, they really need a guy like Antonio Gibson to step up and be an option for them a guy for Dwayne Haskins or Alex Smith to, to go to for, for some big plays. Otherwise, Washington's offense is going to be, like it was last year, a really tough unit to watch. Let's move over to Giants camp. And I know Seamus Clancy talked about this a little bit in From the Bleachers. What Joe Judge is doing as the head coach of, of the New York Giants, it's either going to work or it's going to blow up in his face, kind of like what's happened in Detroit with Matt Patricia. These guys who come from Bill Belichick's system, think that they can do the same things that Bill Belichick did, not understanding that Bill Belichick is a genius. And what Bill Belichick does only works if you win, if you are a genius year in and year out. Um, what Joe Judge was considering taking the red non-contact jersey off Daniel Jones in practice this week. He said, I'm not in a hurry to just beat the hell out of him, but at some point we want to prepare his body for what it'll take in his first NFL game. Like, Daniel Jones has never taken a hit in an NFL game before. A judge went on to say, I don't think we're going to throw him in any Royal Rumbles or anything like that. Well, that's good. At least at least he's got his head on straight for that. Remember, as a rookie last year, Jones was sacked 38 times and had 18 fumbles. So I just don't think exposing him to more contact and practice is going to help with that. And the Giants better win soon because Judge's style is going to get real old real fast if they don't. He's having players and assistant coaches run laps when they make mistakes. They're doing a lot of a lot more physical one-on-one tackling drills. He removed the names from the backs of his players' jerseys when they arrived for training camp this year. All of these little high school rah-rah stuff, that works in high school. All right, that works in smaller colleges. It doesn't work at the NFL level. These guys have been there. These guys have been through the ringer. They most of these guys are making more than Joe Judge makes. So you better win if you're going to do this kind of stuff. And I realize he's trying to get a culture change there in New York. When you've been a rebuilding team and a losing team for a number of years, you want to have a culture change. I get it. It just better work. You better be a good coach. You better be able to, to take what you're doing now and have it work on the field because you're going to, you're going to be a voice in the locker room that no one wants to listen to if you don't start to win. Um, 
One thing I did like that Judge is doing is that he has the Giants defensive backs, they have tennis balls taped to their hands during practice, trying to teach his defensive backs not to hold. I love that idea. He says, we're not going to have defenders holding. We're not going to have holding penalties called on us. I think that's brilliant. And I would love to see, I, I think that would be smart for every NFL defensive back coach to, uh, to institute, is, is having tennis balls taped to your hands so that you can't grab the wide receivers as you're trying to cover them. Make, make your defensive backs learn to shadow your wide receivers more. I, I think that's, that's a skill set that will help when they're, when they're out on the field come game day. The Giants did have a scrimmage against themselves on Friday, and word out of Giants camp is that Daniel Jones did not look good during that scrimmage. He fumbled again during that scrimmage. The offense was largely in effective against the defense, and it's easy to understand why. Outside of Saquon Barkley and Darius Slayton, again, very few position players of note, skill position players of note uh, for the Giants. The offensive line also apparently had some issues as well. I still think the Giants are going to be an improved team this year, but uh, early reports out of this scrimmage anyway from Giants camp is that uh, things did not get off to a good start for Daniel Jones and the offense. Uh, we'll go to the Cowboys next. A lot of talk about Earl Thomas coming out of Dallas Cowboys camp, the former Ravens safety, going to Dallas now that he's been released after causing a number of distractions and disturbances with the Ravens. I think there's just as much smoke to it not happening as there is to it happening. The NFL Network's Ian Rappaport said that the Cowboys are not expected to be among the teams vying for Thomas's services. However, Jerry Jones said the team has not made any decision on Thomas as of yet earlier this week. I'm kind of hoping it happens because what you've got with Earl Thomas is chaos. And I wouldn't mind seeing some chaos dropped into that Cowboys locker room. I mean, look, here's a guy who is talented, but was just dropped by one of the smartest teams and one of the best teams in the league. Why are you rushing to pick up a guy like that? Why would you rush out to go and get a guy like that? Unless, unless there were special circumstances with Baltimore that Earl Thomas had some issues with, but it doesn't sound like that was the case. It just sounds like Earl Thomas is a malcontent who is letting things get away from him. I'm not bringing a guy like that into my locker room. Dallas, if you want to bring a guy... We, we saw how damaging a guy like Orlando Skandrick can be, right? Would you want to bring another, another locker room clubhouse cancer like that? into your clubhouse, into your locker room? I wouldn't. I'd stay miles away, miles away from Earl Thomas. Let the young kids on that team try out, try things out at safety for you. And and just, I, I say that as someone who, you know, I, I want Dallas's defense to be weaker. Earl Thomas would probably be help them out on the field. But, you know, sometimes it's just not worth it. And I'm not sure Earl Thomas would be, I don't think Earl Thomas would be worth bringing in for the Dallas Cowboys. So, you know what, Dallas? Go ahead and bring him in. And, and let chaos un, let chaos ensue, okay? I would love to see what Earl Thomas does to the Cowboys locker room because there's, there's a lot of good vibes around that Cowboys team right now. Let's look at the ESPN power rankings. This is going to be the last thing we look at here on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. ESPN's first power rankings come out, and people are feeling good about the Cowboys. They are a trendy Super Bowl pick, and I get it. I get it. They had a great draft. I think that they did help themselves in free agency in some areas. I think overall, though, in free agency, they were a net loss, especially, you know, with uh, with Gerald McCoy going out for the season. That was a big blow to the Dallas Cowboys defensive line. Uh, you know, going out and getting Everson Griffin, I think, will help on the edge as a situational pass rusher. Right now, with ESPN's power rankings, they have the Kansas City Chiefs, not surprisingly, as the number one team, with the Ravens at number two. 
man, the teams have the 49ers. At, I mean, they have the 49ers at number three. I think this is one of those teams that are going to take a step back. As I've talked about on this podcast, I think the 49ers are going to suffer from the Super Bowl loser syndrome. We see it every year. Every year, the Super Bowl loser, not named the Patriots, takes a big step backwards. Why would it be different with the 49ers? It's not like the 49ers have a quarterback that you just know is going to own. Jimmy Garoppolo, you don't know is going to be a great quarterback. He had really good stretches last year, but the 49ers are a team that's predicated on the running game and schemes. And I think teams are going to have, I mean, maybe Kyle Shanahan is able to continue staying ahead of the curve, but now NFL defensive coordinators have had a season and and, and more importantly, an off season to study what he did. It's going to be on Kyle Shanahan to stay above the curve, to stay at not above, to stay ahead of the curve. And I'm just not sure unless you have a quarterback that can bail you out sometimes and, and, you know, I just think the 49ers have a great defense, but unless you have a quarterback that can that can elevate his game, and I'm not sure Garoppolo can do that, I think the, I think the 49ers are a team that takes a step back this year. I think the Seahawks are an awesome team this year. They, ESPN has them at number five behind the Saints. So it's Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers, Saints, Seahawks in the top five. The Buccaneers at six, I think, are high. Uh, you have the Packers at seven. The Cowboys are at number eight with the Titans at 9 and the Vikings at 10. I would probably have the Cowboys in the top 5. I would probably have the 49ers out of the top 5. I'd probably go Chiefs, Ravens, Saints, Seahawks, Cowboys, and I'd have the Cowboys ahead of the 49ers, the Bucks, and the Packers. I, I just, you know, I think the Cowboys are in for a good season. They just have that feel about them of a team that's ready to take the next step. The Eagles are at number 12 in ESPN's rankings, and I can't say I have I would have the Eagles any any higher than that. 12 sounds about right for the Eagles. You know, and and as I as we get closer to this season, I'm more worried about the offensive line and some other things with this team. Um things, you know, it, it could, things could go very right for the Eagles, but also we've also seen the injuries continue to kill this team. What is it going to take for this team to go into a season and have a healthy year? What is it going to take? It really even on the in the Super Bowl season the Eagles couldn't stay healthy. It's unbelievable. And so that's one of the reasons I have the Eagles at number 12. And I, I do have the Cowboys winning the division this year. I have the Cowboys ahead of the Eagles in the NFC East. The Eagles at number 12, I think, is fair. Looking at the rest of the NFC East teams, the Giants and, and Washington football team, way down the list. Giants at number 29 and Washington at number 31. Only the Jacksonville Jaguars are ranked lower than the Washington football team on ESPN's first power rankings that came out this week. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We're, we're, next week, we're going to get into some other good stuff. We'll keep an eye on what's going on around the NFC East. Just a reminder, if you haven't done so, to leave a five-star rating at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, and make sure to check out all of the great podcasts we have at Bleeding Green Nation. We've got the Quick Jams, the new the new daily morning quick hit 7-10 to 10 minute podcast with Michael Kist. That's a great way to start your day. Grab a cup of coffee and and uh, and and. Get the quick jam in your in your earballs so that you can find out what went on in training camp and what went on around the Eagles the day before. Uh, BLG and Jimmy Kempsey's uh, BL, BGN Radio training camp updates. The longer form stuff have been fantastic. And, of course, all of the other great shows we have at Bleeding Green Nation. You want to make sure you check all of those out uh, as the Eagles get ready to start the 2020 season. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. G-N. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Call mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.